Welcome to Ask the Pastors, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask your questions and receive biblically grounded, pastorally sensitive answers from our pastoral staff. My name is Brian. I'm your host. I'm here with Associate Pastor Thad. Hey, everyone. And our lead pastor, Will. Hey, everyone. We have a question today from Katie Troll. Katie, thanks so much for submitting your question. She asked, how should Christians think and feel about attending non-Christian weddings? Well, why don't you start us off? Yeah, thanks again for the question, Katie. Um, It's a good one. It's an interesting one. Uh, Even digging into some articles and reading up on different takes on this question uh, in preparation this morning um, uh, reminded me of, uh, it was Gosh, I'd only been at West Hills a couple weeks, I think, and um, my predecessor here, uh, Gary Brooks, came next door to let me know that he was doing a wedding um, for you know a couple at the uh, that was I think the the daughter of someone at our church, and he was just sort of mentioning that um, this couple they were both unbelievers, and uh, I was shocked that he was performing this wedding for these these two unbelievers and um, you know I kind of pressed him on it I guess or question and and he started explaining his his view on it and uh, and then you know I promptly turned around and started googling and reading up on how other pastors view this issue and uh, it it seemed like at the time and in, in refreshing my memory on some of those arguments for both sides of it um, Today, it, it I think that the majority of um, majority of, of pastors would say that uh, it it is appropriate for Christians to attend and to celebrate and uh, even to officiate as pastors a uh, wedding for two unbelievers. And I think for me, um, the the real crux of the issue here really comes down to um, well, really, you know two questions. First, what is a marriage? How do you define a marriage? And then secondly, who's it for? What is marriage and who's it for? I think biblically, marriage is a common grace gift that is rooted in uh, God's creation order. Um, You know, most of us, myself included, would understand what God is doing in Genesis 2 when he creates Eve from Adam and um, gives her to him and Adam you know sings his song of praise you know bone of my bone flesh of my flesh um, and and we get those famous words of you know two becoming one uh, what God joins together let no man tear asunder, um, the old King James or whatever. So I, I think what most of us would understand God is doing there is really the f- or, ordaining uh, the, the very first marriage between Adam and Eve. And so um, to the extent that, that that is true, again, I would define marriage along the lines of, um, you know, a, a sacred union blessed by God between a man and a woman, um, and and the follow-up question, second question of who it who it's for, as uh, 
men and women uh, who have been created. I mean, and that's that's basically mm-hmm. as, as specific for me as I as I would want to get with it. Now, that said, um, I think you know we can go to the New Testament and we can look at I think maybe one of the best arguments against unbelievers being married would come from a passage like Ephesians 5, which is always my default that when I marry couples, um, that I, unless you ask me specifically otherwise, I'm, I'm going to preach from Ephesians 5 because I think it's the, the most, you know, uh, biblical, specifically Christian um, uh, passage on marriage and, and what, um, what the real sort of spiritual purpose of, of marriage is, um, symbolic purpose of marriage, which is, you know, where Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 that, um, you know, marriage is really a, a mystery and, a, again, a symbol, a metaphor that's supposed to point us to the relationship between Christ and his church. And so um, the, the question then becomes, can an unbelieving woman and an unbelieving man point us to the mystery of the, the covenantal relationship between Christ and his church, perhaps without even meaning to or knowing they're doing that or doing that well or perfectly or uh, something like that. And I think this is where Christians answer that question in different ways. But for me, I would say yes. I would say you can, you can be a living testament albeit imperfectly, because let's be real, mm-hmm. all of us in Christian marriages mm-hmm. between two Christians are doing it imperfectly. I mean, me and Polly are are not a perfect picture of Christ's relationship with his church and vice versa. Um, but I think that you, you can certainly uh, bear witness to that kind of a covenantal love and faithfulness without even, again, doing it from a place of faith. And so that's where, I, again, a lot of, I would agree with a lot of the pastors and articles that I was reading preparing for this that said, you know, I would, I would want some caveats with mm-hmm. if I was going to marry as a pastor, officiate a wedding of unbelievers, where I would say, you know, certainly I would want to do premarital counseling with them where I could explain what I think a marriage is and what it should be and what the highest calling and what, whether you realize you're doing it or not, this is what you're doing in getting married. Yeah. I would want to be clear that I'm going to present the gospel at your wedding because I'm a minister of the gospel, and so I'm I'm not here to just officially, you know, sanction or stamp what. Like I'm here to mm-hmm. preach the gospel. So if this is an opportunity at your wedding to do that, and frankly, an opportunity in your premarital counseling to preach the gospel to two unbelievers, yeah. then man, all the better. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that opportunity. Um, and and I would thirdly, very clearly, uh, call them and expect them to that kind of covenant love and faithfulness fidelity to one another um you, you know that even if you're an unbeliever if you are standing up before me and these witnesses and god making promises to one another and i'm the one officiating over and sanctioning this union between you where you're making these covenant promises um whether you believe in god or not i know it's before him and these witnesses and me and uh and i care enough about my own integrity that I, I don't expect you to stand up and lie to me um, and, and, and on your wedding day about what you're going to do for one another. So, and I think that was some of the, some of the folks that, that did take issue with pastors um, officiating non-Christian weddings. That was the real crux of it for them was they said, 
you know, that within the context of the church, the church has the authority, the specific authority um, of its members to hold their members mm-hmm. accountable, to exercise church discipline, yeah. um, such that if two members of your church who you're marrying broke their covenant vows or, you know, were talking about getting a divorce or whatever, the minister could then step in and say, hey, no, look, I, I've got some authority in your life and within the church. I just, I don't, I, I guess I don't, um, well, two things. I'm not really sure that's how, um, I, I don't see that issue of in, enforcing church discipline and authority ever being discussed in the context of, um, of you know, by that logic, you, a pastor could not only only marry two believers, but could only marry two believers who were members of their church. And so that, that maybe becomes a whole other issue, but, you know, I, I, because those are the only people who have specifically invited that kind of authority. But I would say, you know, again, that could, that could come out in the context of my premarital counseling with these two unbelievers to say, look, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm sanctioning the wedding, I, I expect to have some sort of authority in your life where, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you accountable. Cause I always build that into the weddings mm-hmm. that I, that I officiate anyway, is I, I have the bride and groom make promises to one another, but then I have the congregation make promises to the bride and groom that we will, uh, promise to hold you accountable, to pray for your marriage, to encourage and, 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 um, and, and support and, uh, you know, be a, be a adhesive agent in your marriage to bring you back to one another when you start to, you know, uh, stray from that commitment. So I, I always include that anyway. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would, again, make all that clear to the couple that I'm marrying that, that this is, you know, for me, this is important enough that this is how the, the wedding has got to look and what I expect of you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're pastors. We, mm-hmm. we can't lock anyone in jail. I mean, we only have as much authority as mm-hmm. they give us anyway. And so I would say as long as that those two unbelievers are willing to say, yeah, you can hold us accountable. We, we want to stay married, even if it's not because God said so or anything mm-hmm. else. Like we, and you can hold us accountable for, um, for, for doing that. So I'll, I'll pause there. I may jump back in at the end after that's done, but that's, that's my two cents on it. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I think you know that's that's all helpful, and even just the how you reframe the question uh, of what is marriage, the the creation ordinance of God's common grace, a grace that's given by God to Christians and non Christians, that a man and a woman can can have the privilege of coming together in in marriage. Um, I think of Solomon. And when he says in Proverbs, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, that it's a good thing to find a, a good wife, and that's a worthy pursuit. And as God is at the beginning of the created world establishing uh, really a fundamental part of how he designed the world to be, um, and you have in that in that. Um, beginning of Genesis, where a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That God is saying, this is the design I have for men and women to partake in together. And, you know, 
all good gifts come from God, and and we yeah. we view marriage as a good gift from God that is for men and women to participate in. And you know, to get back to some of the how do we think through you know our responsibility to non-believers at a wedding together. So an an unbelieving man and an unbelieving woman. Well, I think you you hit it right on the head, the accountability piece, that one, those who are not Christians are inviting you to their wedding. So they're inviting you into something very personal to them, that this is important to them. And I think as Christians with those unbelieving relationships, that that gives us the unique responsibility to come alongside because we recognize in reading the Bible and if you are married that that marriage is bringing two sinful people together to live under the same house and we know how hard it is as Christians we can just imagine how difficult it is for non-Christians and to interject ourselves into the relationship be saying I want to help you I want your marriage to thrive I want your marriage to continue I want to help you fight the good fight in your marriage and use that as an opportunity to to say like hey I understand marriage is hard and messy my marriage is hard and messy the only reason we can make it happen is by God's grace yeah. to us and sustaining us and it can actually be used as an evangelistic relationship mm-hmm. that you're building on even if the person performing the wedding isn't a Christian yeah. isn't a pastor that we can still use that as an evangelistic means of the relationship and I think that's that's something to to think about and ponder and and remember when, when we go to weddings, mm-hmm. when we participate in them, that it should not be passive for us. Mm-hmm. That as we're going, we want to be active participants in helping all marriages thrive. Mm-hmm. And if we can use those as opportunities to point people towards the gospel, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we should. Mm-hmm. And it's our responsibility as Christians mm-hmm. to see the gospel proclaimed, yeah. even when people aren't necessarily asking for it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point of using that as an evangelistic tool. And I, I could very easily, I don't know that I've done this because I think every, certainly every wedding I've officiated so far has been between two believers. Oh, and we should really quickly say it's a non-starter, the issue of should a marriage between a believer and unbeliever, uh, how should that be viewed? Mm-hmm. That's 2 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 7. That's, that's clearly, you know, a no-go. That's Christians don't marry unchristians, um, non-Christians. So, but um, I, I think your point, Thad, there is a great one, which is, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I have said this, but I would definitely say this to, un, to two unbelievers getting married, like, go up to them at the wedding, even after at the reception. Don't mean to rain on the parade, but like, let, I, want, I want to let you know I'm going to be praying for you because I can just tell you right now, the only way Polly and I are still married after 15 years is because of God's grace and his, uh, his presence in our marriage. And without that, I don't know how y'all are going to make it. And I'm going to pray for you that you will come, come to find him because otherwise I don't think your marriage is going to survive. So, mm-hmm. um, and the last thing I'll just say quickly, uh, I, I did love um, John Piper had a couple, two or three different um, Ask Pastor John's specifically on this topic or related ones. And one of the points that he made that was really good is, again, maybe the train of thought for people uh, comes from this this verse of Romans 14, 23, uh, whatever is not from faith is sin. And so if two people not of faith 
are both getting married to one another, then you could say, well, that's, that's a sinful wedding. Uh, that's a sinful marriage. It's not proceeding from faith. So how uh, could a minister preside over that? And uh, I think Piper makes a really good point to say there are all sorts of ways in which, um, by, by virtue of God's common grace, uh, he allows um, us to enjoy good gifts from him that we do so imperfectly and therefore is sinfully. You know, he uses the the uh, the example of food, uh, just later there in in Romans 14, and how we know the purpose of food, of God giving us food, is for us to glorify Him, to thank Him, yeah. to to mm-hmm. to delight in God's gifts as a as a good Father. Well, the unbeliever isn't you know thinking about God when they eat their food and thanking Him, and it's not a worshipful mm-hmm. experience. Um, you know, Paul says elsewhere in First Corinthians, you know. Whatever we do, we should do it to glorify the God. Whether we eat or drink, we do it to glorify God. Well, the unbeliever's not doing that. But then Piper makes the point, well, does that mean that we should not serve unbelievers' food? Like if you were a, a Christian restaurant owner, would you not serve unchristians, non-Christians' food because they're not going to enjoy it in the right way for the right purposes to glorify mm-hmm. God? And I think, you know, he says, no, you know, that would be a silly argument that, that you know, they, this is part of God's common grace and good gifts that he gives to his children and those not yet his children alike for the purposes of them coming to be his children and coming to see how good he is and desiring that relationship with him. So I think as we, we marry them and we do it, again, encouraging them, this is why I'm doing this and this is what marriage is for. And even if you don't realize it today, my prayer for you is going to be that in time, in the years to come, and maybe it is be through those trials in, in, in marriage, and when it gets hard, you realize, man, we can't do this on our own anymore, um, that we turn to the Lord and, uh, and, and then are actually able to, to fully, more fully live out the purpose of marriage, of pointing, pointing others to, to Christ and his church and the relationship there. So. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastors. Remember that you can submit your questions by visiting the info bar at West Hills or by asking them online through our website at www.westhillsstl.org. We have a really exciting event coming up this Sunday, this week. Hope you'll join us for our first Ask the Pastors live event. Uh, We will be recording our episode live and you're able to submit your questions and ask them live as well. So hope you can join us at West Hills Church this Sunday at 6.30 in the sanctuary. Hope to see you there. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, hit that like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening.